linebacker, safety, long snapper. Each one three positions that the Packers could probably use a little bit of reinforcement before we get to the week one opener. If you're interested in hearing some names that may be able to help at those three positions, stick around and listen to Lombardi Time Brews today as we go through and we explore free agent options, guys that are still on the street that could help each one of those three positions. Stick around. Lombardi Time Brews starts now. Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. My name is John Delray and I am the host. Today, like I said in the intro, we're going to go through three positions that the Packers may be able to use a little bit of reinforcement as we're setting up the week one roster. And that first position that we're going to talk about today is safety. Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, two of the premier starting safeties in the league, or at the very least, a premier duo. But behind them is Sean Davis, Micah Abernathy, Dallin Levitt, Devontae Cross still on the roster. Leaves a little something to be desired, doesn't it? Even with great performances from Sean Davis and Micah Abernathy, especially in the last preseason game from Abernathy, is there any concern yet if Darnell Savage's hamstring injury is worse than we initially thought? Or if Adrian Amos happens to go down with injury, what's the plan? Yesterday at practice, Razul Douglas wound up taking a number of safety snaps, which partly was the thinking that I had that the Packers may be able to get away with four safeties on the initial roster because Douglas may be capable of taking some of those safety snaps, specifically probably free safety. But still, do they need more depth? If the answer to that question is yes, then I'm going to propose two names to you, both happening to come from Washington of all places, but the first would be Landon Collins. Now, Landon Collins is a name that has been around the league forever, and frankly, upon doing research of him, I was shocked to learn that he is only 28 years old. I thought he had been around longer than that. But the truth is, he's 28, he's turning 29 in the month of January this coming year, and really, Here's the deal with Landon Collins. He was released by the Washington Commanders for just making too much money. He was in the midst of a six-year, $84 million contract. He had already taken a pay reduction last year since his performance was not commiserate to that contract. And they approached him again after trading for Carson Wentz and asked him to take another pay cut. And this time he said, nah, I'm going to go test free agency. Well... I'm not sure how well that bet is working out for him, as he is still looking for a team. And the reason why I bring him up is, one, he's an experienced safety. He's been to three Pro Bowls, was on an All-Pro team once. His peak was certainly a few years ago. Those three Pro Bowls came much earlier in his career. His best seasons, looking back at the stats, is probably 2016 and 2017. That's when he really seemed to excel 
in all facets of being a safety. However, last year, and 2020, they began shifting his role, doing less coverage, as he showed that he wasn't as capably doing it anymore, and more becoming a hybrid linebacker safety. Now, you immediately may be thinking, the Packers, we don't need any type of hybrid safety. We don't need another inside linebacker type. But I would ask you to think back to last year when the Packers were utilizing the third safety Henry Black in a number of different scenarios, or especially towards the end of the year, when they started playing Kevin King close to the line. Certainly a role that Landon Collins is more suited for. A few interesting stats for you on Landon Collins. Last season, he had 58 tackles, two interceptions, three sacks, two fumble recoveries. In addition, in terms of PFF grades, last year for the season of 2021, his overall grade was 54.7. Now, that's not ideal, but we're going to dive into the sub-numbers here, and it may reveal how he could yet fit into this Packer defense. So, first of all, his rush defense had a grade of 82.5 last year for Washington. His pass rush, 74. However, and this is where it gets terrifying, and really why Landon Collins is no longer an elite-tier safety, his coverage grade. Last year, he gave up the fifth most receptions in the NFL, and his coverage grade came in at a whopping 38.8. That is awful. But if the Packers are looking for someone to fill in that Kevin King role, be close to the box, because let's face it, towards the end of the season, Kevin King wasn't playing a ton of true corner. They had kind of notched him in to this, not quite third safety, but this box secondary player. And if they still want to have that wrinkle in the defense, Landon Collins could be the guy to fill that out nicely. The rush defense numbers, even the pass rush numbers, reflect that well. The trouble with Landon Collins is don't put him in any situation where he's covering in the slot. The slot is truly where he seemed to get into trouble at times last year. I didn't write this one down, but the numbers was something like he played like 70 snaps in the slot, between 70 and 100 snaps in the slot. And looking back on it, according to PFF data, that's where he gave up the vast majority of those receptions. So if he's not going to play the star role, if he's not going to play a true slot, if you really just want him to be a box safety, he could still contribute to this team. If you don't have faith in Micah Abernathy, Sean Davis, or you don't believe that either one of them can be the box safety and you want to have that wrinkle for your defense, Landon Collins, if he's willing to take this role, could still be the right fit for the Packer defense. Moving on, the second safety that I would think about, and and safety feels strong. He has been converted to cornerback in his career. He's just kind of a defensive back, let's say that. Troy Apke. Troy Apke is entering his fifth season in the NFL. He spent all previous four with Washington. And really, I look at Apke like a Dallin Levitt replacement. If they really want Dallin Levitt, and 
by all accounts, he is here to be Bisaccia's special teams ace. And if that injury that he has is going to hold him out for any type of time, then they need someone else to fill that void. Apke could fill that void. Apke is a very interesting prospect. He's 27 years old. His RAS score is very Packers-ish. 9.92. A freak RAS score, including a 4.3440 as he was coming into the league four years ago. He longed over 320 special team snaps in two of the last three years. The year that he didn't log at least that many snaps, he had been promoted to being a starting safety for Washington. Now, coverage does not seem to be his strong suit, much like Landon Collins, and he lost that job halfway through the season. So we see a reduced number of special team snaps there from when he was the starting safety. But still, when they allowed him to just be the special team's ace over the two of the last three years, he's had over 320 snaps. And if the Packers are looking for a guy to be a fifth safety or a fourth safety, depending on the scheming, and you're really just looking for a special teams ace, a dedicated special teams player who's got freak athletic traits, Troy Apke at least warrants some consideration. So, bear that in mind, Landon Collins, Troy Apke, two former Washington safeties that could help depending on what the Packers are looking for. Up next, we're going to talk about the edge rushers, seeing if we can solidify the young depth there. Two Packers, the players should look for at edge. One a former Bear, Bronco, Charger. The other a former Buck and Giant. First one, Jeremiah Atachu. Ah, Tachu, I think is how you say it. Uh, not going to lie, I had to look up a pronunciation guide on that one. But he's someone that I'm really intrigued by, actually. Spent last year with the Bears. Um, only played for them for five games before eventually being shut down with a torn pack. It was his only year with the Bears, so not a lot to go off of there to really get his background. But if you dive a little bit farther back in his career... He actually seems to be a guy who's willing to play a bunch of special teams as well as be a nice rotational piece and edge. So, uh, originally a second-round draft pick in 2014 by the Chargers. He went on to play all four years of his rookie contract there before moving on. He jumped around a little bit where he seemed to find the most success was actually with the Denver Broncos in 2020 and 2019. Uh, both of those seasons, according to his PFF grades, 2020 at a grade of 62.5, 2019 55.6, and his whole career average is just kind of sitting in the mid-60s. Um, like I said earlier, he is willing to play a lot of teams. In fact, I noticed this really interesting trend where all three of his best seasons seem to be when he plays at least 110 snaps in his career on teams. There were only three sus instances of his career, but all three of them are also when he posted some of the best pass rush numbers of his career. Could be a correlation, could be a happy coincidence. Regardless, it is a statistical trend when looking at Jeremiah. Uh, 2020, he did have five sacks. 
In 2020, his last year with the Broncos, he also posted his best missed tackle rate of his career, coming in at only 7.7%. Now, last year in his five games, remember it's only five games, in his five games with the Bears last year, that number shot up to 20%. And from what I saw, looking at just the numbers, it really did look like he wasn't necessarily an ideal fit. He hadn't yet found his way there, and his numbers suffered. His career average for the missed tackle rate seems to sit right around 11%. In terms of his pass rush, I think there's a lot of nice things to go off of there. Two years ago, he had five sacks. It happened to be the year that he posted that 7% missed tackle rate, but he had five sacks in that year. Not a ton, no, but Jonathan Garvin, maybe rookie J.J. Engabare, maybe Tipa, maybe Ladarius Hamilton. I mean, that's the crew that you're looking at as your number three outside linebacker right now. The question has been raised a lot. What happens if something happens to Rashawn Gary? What happens if Preston Smith has an injury we saw last year how dramatic the falloff was when those two left the field. And we were left with a year younger Jonathan Garvin and Tipa and Whitney Merciless when he was there for that brief time. But this year, sure, Garvin's a year older, but have we really seen him take off to be a number three outside linebacker? J.J. Angabari's looked great in camp, but he's a rookie. The other ones you got to feel at this point that they're a little bit known commodities, right? You know who they are. You know what they're going to do for you. So is Jeremiah Atachu a better option? Potentially. All the guys that I'm talking about today, you know, can be had at least for fairly cheap. You would hope. And if you can't, then it's a deal breaker. But Jeremiah Atachu, in a lot of ways, seems like the kind of guy, 29 years old, He's not yet over that 30 hump. His original RAS score was 8.33, 4.57 in the 40. 8.3, certainly a Packers-type RAS score. And really, the RAS score would have been higher, but the one thing that he seems to fail on in testing, mind you, back in 2014, was agility. So, if he's recovered from that torn pack... Reason to believe that he is. He just did a workout with the Cardinals a few weeks ago. If he's healed, if he's right, is he at least worthy of consideration to be your number three outside linebacker? The other option that I think you have to consider here is one significantly more established in the league. Someone who money may not make this possible at all. But if you're looking for someone to come in and be that pass rusher and... The, the fan vision that I have here is someone like Julius Peppers who just comes in towards the end of the career and just rushes the passer. Don't, don't do anything else, just rush the passer. Someone who can come in in that kind of vein, and that player is Jason Pierre-Paul. Spent the last four years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And again, a guy who, at least for PFF scoring, has posted in the mid-60s every year that he was with Tampa, with the exception of this last year. Now, the other super important stat that I'm going to read for you is his sack numbers over the last four years. Keep in mind, 
he's been a full-time player, but still. Over the last four years, last year he had three sacks, year before 11, 9, and 13 sacks in 2018. Now, part of the reason for only three sacks last year was there did seem to be a drop-off in his play, and his PFF grading reflects that for sure. I mean, his PFF grade last year was awful at 49.1. Pre that, it had been in the high 60s for all of his Tampa years, with the exception of the first one. And earlier in his career, when he was a star with the Giants, it was significantly higher than that. But still, 2021, he played in only 12 games. He seemed to have a torn rotator cuff that eventually ended his season early. And from what I read, seemed to be a lot of speculation that that was a big reason for his downfall throughout a large course of the year last year. So, if you could bring in Jason Pierre-Paul on a cheaper contract to be your number three outside linebacker, pass rush specialist, help alleviate the drop-off when you have to give a break to Rashawn or Preston or something happens to them, you have to think about it, right? I mean, for the sake of depth, he's going to be better than Garvin or Tipa, right? I mean, he's, he's got to be. One concern with Jason Pierre-Paul that you don't see with Jeremiah Atachu is his missed tackle rate. I mentioned earlier how Jeremiah always seems to sit right around 11%. Jason Pierre-Paul, that is not the case. Uh, he misses a lot of tackles. His missed percentage, his average in Tampa, was a little over 20%. It's high. Now, in spite of that, his rush defense grading was quite good, as was his pass rush grading. It's just he, he apparently misses quite a few tackles. But the techniques that he used to get home on those places is evidently very good, especially looking at the sack numbers. His hurry numbers correlate with the amount of sacks, too. He is an efficient pass rusher. Now, you know, last year he had the torn rotator cuff. Years before that, he had one year in Tampa, which was also a part-time year due to injuries. But 2018 and 2020, the man was a stalwart. Played over 900 snaps each of those years. So certainly something to consider if he can come in and be that rotational pass rusher. The Whitney Merciless role of last year. You just can't convince me right now that that's not going to improve the depth of the defense. Last position I'm going to talk about today, and we do not have to talk about this one at tremendous length, long snapper. Jack Coco has been a nice project. I like his story. But in camp, he's he struggled with consistency. And let's just be honest about it. This is one area the Packers still need to improve. We know it. They have to. So here are two long snapper free agents that I think could help. Uh, Matt Overton. Matt Overton is 37 years old, uh, has spent a lot of time with the Chargers, uh, really one of the, I don't want to say journeymen, but he is well-traveled, has long snapped for quite a few teams, something to consider. You know he could come in and do the veteran's job, right? On the flip side, Trey Schneider, complete opposite. Overton's 37, has been in the league a long time, Trey Schneider actually was a sixth-round pick by the Panthers last year. 
Now, they chose Trey Schneider, even though they had Jay Jansen as their long snapper, who has been a Carolina long snapper for a while. And a pretty proficient one, too. But they still spent a sixth-round pick on Trey Schneider. And ultimately, it led nowhere. Schneider last year, he hurt his hip. He was placed on IR before the season even began. And then entering this offseason, the Panthers basically sat back and said, you know what? We're good with Jansen. He's actually really good. We're going to move on from Trey Schneider. So just recently, they wound up releasing him. Now, Trey Schneider in 2020 won the National Collegiate Award for the top long snapper in the country. I mean, you at least have to entertain that, right? So, two long snappers that beg at least a little bit of investigation by the Green Bay Packers, Matt Overton and Trey Schneider. Again, I didn't dive super deep into them, but those are two guys on two opposite ends of the spectrum. One very veteran, one very new, who potentially could come in and at the very least, at this stage right now today, could come in and compete with Jack Coco to see if we can strive for a little bit more consistency there. So... There you have it, three different positions that the Packers could probably benefit from a little bit of free agent help. Uh, The one that I feel strongest about this is probably the edge position. I think they wind up keeping five edge on the team, but honestly, I think there's room there to improve one of those spots. If you're looking for a very balanced player, you're looking at Jeremiah Tachu, someone to play teams and do some pass rushing. If you're just looking for a pass rushing rotation, pass rusher rotation, excuse me, then you're looking at Jason Pierre-Paul, assuming the money can work out. So certainly things to think about. I am not saying that the Packers are going to sign any of these guys at all. I'm not even saying that they totally should. Maybe. But these are three spots that we have to acknowledge that the Packers could probably use a little bit of help with depth. And these are a number of players that could help. So it at least requires the thought. At least takes a little bit of investigation. If it could help, then that's what you got to do. So that's it for Lombardi Time Brews today. I do hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, Please follow me on Twitter at John Delray. Let's start a conversation there. Other than that, I will be back tomorrow with a preview of the last preseason game, specifically things to look out for in that game. Other than that, uh, if you've been enjoying the video version on YouTube, thank you. You can check out the audio version of the same thing if you ever can't watch the video. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, quite a few, and I regularly post all of them on my Twitter same thing if you happen to be listening to the audio version hop on over to youtube you can see my rosy cheeks and freakishly long eyelashes and please don't look at much else beyond that but thank you for carving out a little bit of time to spend with lombardi time brews and me it really does mean a lot that you're willing to do this at all so thank you have an absolutely wonderful day i will see you tomorrow